Welcome back to the podcast. This is Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. I am wearing my Conversations with Jeff Bucknam shirt today, which was made for me by somebody whose name I do not know. That's but I want to give a public thank you because I am all about that swag, baby. Looks good. It's great today to have Jason Abraham with us. Jason, uh, you're, well, I'm going to ask you questions in a minute about who you are, why you're here. All right. Carl Barco is back playing the George Costanza role. Where color we, we color got, commentating. We got rid of him, and then he just keeps showing up. <laughs> Someone put it on my calendar, week. and I'm thankful. Nice. So it is conversations with Jeff Bucknam, though, Carl. So it you is. might want to... I'm here with Jeff Bucknam. Just tone it down. There We're talking with... Anyway, but Carl is our executive pastor of Ministry and Multiplication. Something like that, right? That's exactly right. Uh, it That's did the it. first... It took six times for you to get that right, and you've done it. You know why, Jason? Because I don't care. He doesn't. <laughs> I don't care. That's what the title Congratulations. You work here, is what I say. Yeah. Jason, uh, give me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Um, from here, from Chicago. Where in Chicago? Uh, so I grew up in Wheaton. Oh. Wheaton, home of Wheaton mm. College and all that. I did not go there, but I've frequented the Billy Graham Center with my parents. Okay. Um, why were your parents in Wheaton? So my dad actually, so we, when they immigrated here, in the late seventies, they established themselves in Chicago and moved right into the city. Right. So I was, I told Sherry this earlier, I was born two blocks North of Wrigley field. So I'm a true North sider, oh my goodness. true Cubs fan and all that kind of good stuff. But then my dad and my mom actually got jobs out in the suburbs and it was closer to them to live in Wheaton. And they heard great things about Wheaton, the Wheaton schools. And so you kind of settled. Yep. Okay. Yeah. They weren't like Christian minister or anything, because like Wheaton no. is one of the big right. names. Yeah. Colorado, I guess it'd be Colorado Springs. That's right. Wheaton. Wheaton. Yep. And Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've yeah. actually heard there's a there's a train, quote unquote, train from Wheaton to Colorado Springs. That's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of true. Yeah. Probably is. <laughs> but they weren't, you, you just grew up in that setting. I did, yeah. Did uh, you grow up in a Christian home? I did. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that wasn't odd. I've always thought, yeah. you know, if you're not a Christian growing up in Wheaton, it would be like being right. not a Mormon growing up in Salt Lake City. Right. right. There was some oddness to it being immigrants. Where you, where's your family immigrated from? Um, India. Okay. Yep. Yep. They immigrated here in 1975. I was born just after that. Um, but yes, in, in Wheaton, we were probably the only Indians when I was growing up there. Oh, now bet. it's much more diverse, but yeah. yeah. So there was some oddities in that. So as I was growing up, we actually didn't go to church in Wheaton. We actually went to church in Des Plaines, which was about yeah. 40 minutes away. Oh, and it was wow. an Indian immigrant church oh, okay. that we yep. kind of settled into there. Yep. That's great. So you kind of grew up around the faith then? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, my dad and my mom, both believers. My dad preached. He's a non-professional yeah, preacher. Yeah, he's a lay, you know. lay yeah. preacher. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So it was good to always hear the word. Did you ever think about going in ministry yourself <clears throat> when your dad was doing some lay preaching? Or is that like, um, nah? No, not then. My mom prayed a lot for it, <laughs> but uh, please, Lord, yeah. make my kid a pastor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my no, mom prayed the not. opposite. <laughs> Don't make it a pastor. Right. Yeah, but no, not 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 vocationally. No. Yeah. So, yep. so what is it that you do now? Tell me first about your family. Sure. Um, married for twenty-one years to Susan. Um, two kids: a sixteen-year-old daughter, sophomore here. HCA, yeah. uh, 13-year-old son, 6th grader going into 7th grade yeah. this year. Um, been here at Harvest for a long time. Uh, 2009, we were here in Elgin. 2004, if I back it up, we started attending in Meadows. Uh, we spent a few years in Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, both oh, yeah. my wife and I worked at State Farm. 
and we went down there and I got to be part of a launch team for one of the plants cool. down in Peoria. Uh, but we've kind of been a harvest family for a lot of years. So well, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's been good. So your kids kind of have grown up in the in the harvest yeah. world. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's yeah. good to hear. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Our kids play soccer. That's right. Together a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think. They do. Or yeah. your kid plays soccer plays somewhere else and my I don't know. We're always seeing each other. Over the though, summer, around. they they did definitely play. Yeah. Yep. And now now seasons are opposite. But yeah. Yeah. They're in the same classes. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yep. that's great. Uh, yep. You for a living, you have what do you do? I am a uh, consultant for uh, Ernst and Young, uh, one of those big four accounting firms. I do financial services, technology consulting. So oh, cool. Really focused on insurance primarily. So that's kind of where the state farm and all these kind of pieces come together. So I, I lead a lot of projects essentially where we, we go around to different carriers and try to help them strategize and improve their technology. Oh, okay. Yep. You like it? I do. I do. It's, uh, when you were a little boy, right. Nine years old, you thought, (laughs) let me see Ernst and Young. Yeah, no. Um, I do enjoy it. It's, it's challenging. Um, there's aspects of it where, you know, you get to talk to interesting people. You get, to, you get, and in the consulting world, so I'm not just in a carrier or a company for decades, right? I've been able to go to different places, see different cultures, right. see different organizations and, and get to. What a cool experience though, right? Yeah. Be able to absolutely. glean things from each one that you think right. are pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. So yeah. been a consultant for how many years then? Um, let's see. All of them. Yeah, all of them. So probably the last 12 so okay. twelve or so years oh. I've been doing consulting. I was going to say, like yeah. you were, were going to say like 35. No. And before yeah. consulting here, you were yeah. consulting yeah. on many other things. Possibly. Yeah, but no, I mean, I was, so I had a uh, State Farm agency prior to that. Oh, so insurance I, salesman you were. I was, yeah. So I, right. I got to do that piece of it. So I've seen all angles of the insurance mm. world, um, and which is part Who's of the your insurance I'm, through? <laughs> My insurance is through. Uh, you better say State Farm. Goosehead something. Oh really? I've never even heard. You of don't that. even know what that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's through. He was State recommended. Farm. He was is recommended. It, this yeah. podcast brought to you by. Yeah, right. Yeah. I have issues with State Farm and their yeah their yeah. ads and stuff. Yeah. I, do, I always. You don't like Aaron Rodgers. That's what you don't like. That's, that's right. exactly See? right. That's yeah. a, what is that double check discount? Discount thing? double check. Can we get it right? Yeah. I mean, okay. do you not like sure. uh, no, the fact that I know that is means it's an effective ad? I guess. Yep, it's working right. Although every time I see uh, some sort of like lizard animal, I always feel like I need insurance. Oh, so yeah. That's see, more. The Geico Gecko. Yeah. That's right. All right, Jason, yeah. uh, you are here, though, to talk about, we're here to talk about some about money, yes. which, of course, is an area of your, your work. And, uh, yeah, I'm just interested in, first of all, I'm interested to know uh, some of your, your reflections on some yeah. of the sermons and yeah. things that we've been studying over the last yeah. little while. Um, yeah, definitely. So it's, it's nice. Um, you know, I've kind of just started thinking a little bit more about each of the three or four messages at this point. Um, the thread that you've kind of laid out across all of it. And one of the things, the key thing for me, um, growing up in that Indian church, right. Um, giving was more of a duty, right. It was more of a, a religious, there was no teaching on tithing or the re the reasons as to why to tithe. It was more, if I want to be a part of the church as a membership fee, and you give that every year and you're kind of expected to give that every year. And that's, that's the extent of it. There's no, there's no teaching on why are you giving or why. That's an interesting image. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, It is a membership fee, sort of Costco. Right. Right. Exactly. Your dues are are up. Yep. 
so that's that's kind of how I grew up. And then um, back in Peoria, I think at that church where we finally, my wife and I, we we learned about tithing and the delight in being able to provide to the church or to a organization or to a charity and being able to see the thankfulness through that um, of my own life. And then like you kind of drew out as well, right? The triangle of God's being able to provide to us as a family, what are we doing from our generosity or through that generosity through God? How's that generosity then being sent out, right? And being able to see that. So um, that was another one. And then one thing that you said this last week, um, it was giving is not risky, right? And um, reflecting back on kind of the, the path that my parents and a lot of immigrants have taken to get here in this country, there's a lot of risk involved in that, right? Yeah. Leaving a country, leaving a country or a culture, leaving a language and trying to learn all these things, that's giving, that risk is inherent. Um, but the difference in that is they come here and their expectation was to get a better life yeah, in to the do US, better. right? Yep. Yep. But it wasn't to just promote themselves and be better people or you know, make all this money and just live in mansions or anything else. It was to then give back yep. right, to their families or to their churches or to their communities and see that. Um, so the thread was uh, the giving's not risky and then that river, right? The, yeah. the imagery of the river and being able to see what a little trickle of a small group of immigrants was able to do. And then for me as my family born and brought up here in the U.S. and being able to see the fruits of that yeah. and then continuing to see that generosity and hopefully, you know, understanding the, the uh, reducing the risk of that, right, of yeah. giving and mm-hmm. fully trusting that the risk is going to pay itself off in thankfulness. Yeah. So. I'm sure that there are people around the world who have given money yeah. and uh, think about it. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have, but I don't know them. And I've never heard from them. And maybe yeah. me saying, I'm sure that there are, is just my plain ignorance. I, I do, my, my point, I think, is that ev- everybody I know who've ever taken God up on the offer mm-hmm. to, uh, to give to the work of the Lord has always seen it uh, bear fruit, both spiritually in their lives yeah. and also financially, so that they're able to give more. Yep. I, yeah. Quick, quick question. As you were, I was thinking about um, people's understanding of the church, mm-hmm. and you were talking about a, a change in how you understood giving mm-hmm. in your walk and within the church. Did did was there a change? Was there a maturity or change in in how you thought of the church as missionally mm-hmm. that helped contribute to what that? What does missionally mean? By missionally, I mean uh, its purpose, its its yeah. job. As a, as an institution or a group of people gathered together for a yeah. for a certain purpose, um, definitely right. So so growing up, the church was really a community based organization, really just to be there for the community. That that's how I grew up. Um, but like you're saying, like this missional mindset of mm-hmm. the church, right? Being able to bear one another's burdens and see those rewards come through that. Um, it's definitely even for myself. Like um, I serve here in the Hope Center, right? Mm-hmm try to help that space out and, and do things in that area. Um, I was not as compassionate minded, you know, in, in a sense, but until I actually see the work that organizations like that within the church, a parachurch ministries like that, being able to see how the church responds to the needs of the people, even, even within, either within the, the church itself or the community, yeah. um, that, that maturity, um, definitely brought about a mindset of delight in being mm. able to serve the people. Yeah. Right. 
I'm going to ask you questions about the Hope Center in just okay. a second. Okay. I'm first going to share this passage I did in a previous um, podcast, I think, Ephesians 4.28. I find it really interesting. Uh, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. And then there's a purpose clause. That, or in order that, they may have something to share with those in need. I think that's fascinating that basically what Paul's saying here is one of the main purposes of work is certainly to take care of your own mm-hmm. needs. But he doesn't even mention that here. He mentions it, oh, you need to get a job uh, instead of sitting around so you're st- stealing from people uh, because you need to be a contributor to the needs as opposed to a draw Taker, yeah. on them. And so I, I just... <laughs> The point is that there's the purpose of the money is to share the money, right? And uh, yeah, we give to get, to give, to give, to give, to give over and over again, which leads me to talk a bit about the, um, the Hope Center. Yeah. So our Hope Centers, currently there is one at Rolling Meadows, mm-hmm. Elgin, and Crystal Lake. Yep. And the Hope Center is basically a food pantry, Basically, is that the way you yes. talk about it? Or yes. you, you talk to me about the Hope Centers. Do you know a little bit of the yeah. history, how they get going? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think around the pandemic period of time, I think uh, in your last podcast, I want to say Jeff Sharder kind of touched on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic time brought about a, an opportunity for three campuses, and I think Aurora as well maybe has a food pantry in place um, to take some of that uh, proceeds and be able to build out a space to serve the community. Um, so over the last two years, um, and specifically last year itself, we've, um, been able to partner with other organizations in the area. So in the Elgin space, we, we partner with the greater food bank of Northern Illinois, Mm -hmm. um, different stores are able to provide food as well. Um, bringing in food, toiletries, other items. Um, and then we, uh, as a group, right, I think there's 200 or so volunteers that help across all of the hope centers which is great because you don't see that very often in no, in this right. in this church or many churches where you have such a great group of folks and it's somebody was telling me we have volunteers from the age of 8 to 85 That's and great. they all serve faithfully and yep. it's it's fantastic to see on a week to week basis um, and they serve uh, I think we want to say over 600 families a week um, that come yeah across the three mm-hmm. campuses um, over 7700 families have been served across the community in that we've given away, I want to say somebody mentioned the number to me through the food bags that we've actually given out. Um, it's over $640,000 worth of food and toiletries that that's have great. been able to be provided to communities. And right? that's just in a couple of years, in just a couple of years. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So t- tell me if I come to the, f- if I come to the hope center, yeah. first of all, you've, t- when am I coming? Yeah. So Saturday. I'm a family in need. Yeah. I'm going to come to your hope. Somebody told me about it. I'm going to come to the hope center. Yeah. When am I coming? Saturday mornings from eight till we run out. Okay. So, so I show up. What, what am I going to experience there? Uh, you're going to experience friendly people uh, first, right? They're going to come through the line. They're going to see, you know, folks that are ready to serve. They take down your name, a phone number, so that we have a track of folks that come through, understand their needs, the number of people that are in their household. Because this is probably just the uh, front porch for, do you know what I mean? That's an image, right? That there, there are other issues that are behind this that we, you actually want to help with as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, we're not just serving the folks that need food, right? For sure. That's one of them. We want to be able to serve folks that, um, have challenges in their lives, 
job loss, illnesses, uh, folks that are elderly uh, that just can't get to a grocery store on a regular basis. They have an opportunity to come to the church that's just next door to them, being able to serve them in that. People that are overcoming addictions, we want to be able to serve them as well. There's a vision right through the Hope Center that we are starting to not just be a food pantry, but also you know, an opportunity to oh, yeah. bring folks to the, to the Lord, right? Yeah, and minister. being able to have, yeah, minister to them through their weekly, almost some of them are, you know, weekly. Well, they're felt folks. needs, right? These people are, sure. they're v- yeah. very real needs that the church has a way of, right. of meeting. Right. And, right. you know, I always love the saying that the church's job is to alleviate suffering, both present and eternal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we do the first with a view toward the second. Right. So I come through your the line and uh, do I just get to go in and, and like supermarket sweep it? Just no, I, I mean, we want to make it as comfortable for folks, right? Well, it looks like a, a supermarket, though. It does. We have grocery carts. We have aisles. We have, you know, refrigerators, freezers, all the good stuff. Everything's lined up really nicely, right? Our, our volunteers do a great job of making sure that the space is presentable. It's not just a food pantry, right, or, you know, a place that folks just... Right, and you're not things, just right? handing people a bag of pre-selected food. No, not in most cases, no. Okay. Yeah, some days, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, yeah. we'll, we'll pre-select, yeah, like we'll robust. get the turkey yeah. or all the, those kind of things. Um, but for most most Saturdays, it's you need meat. We have some sort of meat. You need dairy. We have some sort of dairy. We have cereals and bread and fruit and vegetables. And um, it's quite a it's quite an operation in the sense that so many other organizations come in and provide so much support. Yeah, it's right? great. Yep. So uh, when I walk through, is there a limit to the amount of food that I, or do I walk with a concierge? Do I yes. walk with a, a host yep. or something like yep. that? It, that's right on. Uh, okay. There's a host, right? They'll, at least here in Elgin, I believe I've been to the Meadows, Meadows one. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's a host that comes through with you. Um, and they're really there not just to manage, but also to engage in conversation, right? Yeah. Look, learn a little bit more about your family. You come in with the, three-year-old kid who's, you know, just playing in the cart, you kind of engage with them in that and establish a relationship and trust and um, help them to see the love of Christ through this shopping experience. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Is food all that you do? Uh, Not that it's all, by the way. I'm just, no, there's toiletries as well. Okay. There's um, diapers. Diapers. Yes. Diapers are there. I know whenever I'm hungry and need a candy bar, I'm right into Yeah. Wait, should I have said that? No. Oh, you're nuts. No. no. Speaking of nuts, I've eaten several Snickers. No, I have yeah. not touched any of the food in yeah. the Hope Center. Don't worry. But it is open to our church members as well. Yes. Right? It's not Which is something a, I think yeah. that people need probably need to hear because yeah. it has been open mm-hmm. for those. For, uh, I've been, I, I preach at uh, Saturday nights at Rolling Meadows. Mm-hmm. It's always open. Right. Uh, yeah, at Rolling Meadows, locked. the doors are open and it yeah. says, hey, you need some food or whatever. You can get it. That's right. Um, also I've, I've been around at, on Sunday mornings at, uh, at Elgin and similarly, there's, there's mm-hmm. some people around who are happy to help. So yep. if you're part of the church and you need yep. some food or some assistance, uh, it's a great place to get connected. It is. Yeah. Even Sunday morning, I know that I've seen those racks of bread out there. Yeah. The stuff that's yeah. left. Yeah. We get quite a bit of bread. People we get bake a bagel home for, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. a Sunday ham sandwich. That's right. Yeah. You're getting Sounds ready to like watch somebody the Packers. who's, uh. Who's done that in the past? Oh man, hot ham sandwiches. It's a thing in Wisconsin, by the way. Get your hot ham and Jason. Did you know ice fishing? Ice fishing's a thing in Wisconsin. (laughs) I heard. I want to. And also, like, (laughs) 
cheese curds and Ooh. cheese curds are good though. Yeah. Uh, yes. Are they? yes, they are. You've Amen, brother. I have had yeah. cheese curds. Okay. They're the and best on top yeah. of French fries with gravy on top of poutine. Whoa. Poutine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Jason, uh, so I'm going to ask you a theological question now. Okay. What responsibility do Christian people have to feed the poor? Responsibility? We, we all have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens. Um, and one of the things I've read and I've thought about as well is a, a good sign or one of your most positive signs of being a, a Christian is being able to deeply understand the generosity right, that you've mm-hmm. been given uh, and being able to then give that back out, right, and being right. able to uh, provide that joy to another family. And that seems to be yeah. a big point of the Good Samaritan, right, is that yeah. you, even among those who you would, you would perceive as being like the least neighborly neighbors, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That you actually still, ha- we still have an obligation yeah. to care for those who, have, who have not, yeah. uh, whatever it is that, it, that, that we have, that yeah. they, they are without it. Uh, should I be caring more for the Christian? It's a trap. It is. I totally yeah. set a trap. It's great. <laughs> Carl? You want to take that one, Carl? Ooh. I, the question was, should we be... Were you not even listening? No, great. I wasn't. I was studying. Uh, I was reading. Wait, listen, Actually, I was reading I don't want scripture. to hear what you're reading. You're going to answer my theological question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, is, do, do Christians have a greater responsibility to care for those in the faith? Then they do the general poor, or is it all the same, or what? So while Carl's thinking, look at—he's already gone. Well, he's in. I don't—I don't know if I have an answer, but oh. I have—I mean, experience, right? I, yeah. We don't turn anyone away. No, of course right? not. So it's not a—I don't think it's a sense of greater responsibility one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but you do have limited resources. We do have limited. Right. Yeah. 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 But so, we're not taking check mark on. No, you're not a believer, right? When we. So. No. Practically speaking, no. absolutely not. No. There does seem to be. So I'm going to answer my own question. I didn't even get a chance. Total setup. Way you go. I don't even need a chance. Go you ahead. can answer it. I mean, I just add to the conversation. I think yeah. Jason's right. There isn't a turning away, uh, nor is there necessarily a prioritization in, in my mind of such resources. It's to each right. who freely has a need. Right. If you look at even from the text that you read from this weekend, which quotes uh, Psalm one twenty. 112 verse 9 he has distributed freely he has given to the poor uh, his righteousness endures forever I, I think that's a great thing in the new covenant the he being lord and we are the body of christ like he ha- we are acting in in that way right. to distribute freely giving to the poor it's, there's not a qualifier around that poor as it relates to believer or not necessarily now i put all that in the context of christians do take care of christians and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, care of the church I'm gonna too. go crazy here, and I'm going to try to argue for a privileging of the body of Christ over all others. So here you go. Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, Galatians six ten. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunities, let let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I think that that is a theological principle that plays itself out even in some of the passages that we uh, often read as being general statements to the whole poor. Okay, so this last weekend, I preached a sermon and I cited one of those passages. 
Um, Matthew 25, sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. It is very interesting. Um, verse 38, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you a sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, king will answer them, truly I say to you, you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You, you did it to me. Same thing with uh, James chapter 2, a passage that I also cited this weekend because it brings up uh, this same issue, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, not works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, one of you says to them, go peace, be warm, be filled without giving the things needed for the body, what good is that? It, there seems to be an, a, a consistent indication that the people of God uh, should receive primary benefit of our resources. That doesn't mean we turn away anybody, right? We do good to all, but especially those of the faith. So there is supposed to be, and this is why I think Paul is trying to play on this when he's doing this collection. He's, he's trying to say to them, look, you guys do see how this is going to demonstrate the unity of the body of Christ and how it functions differently than the rest of the world. When the Gentiles, who don't like Jews, and Jews don't like Gentiles, but when they give sacrificially so that the Jewish people have something to eat, it's going to say something both racially, it's also going to say something you know, culturally about the difference between the Christian church and everywhere else, that we are a family, and that we care for each other in our, in our family. There's even some early church fathers who have these really interesting things. They're, they're asked questions like... Uh, so in the early church, lots of people, uh, when, you, when you were an actor or an actress, to do your job, you actually were doing it as an act of worship to one of the deities. Mm. That's, like, that's what the play was. The play was done for the deity. And so several times, <laughs> actors and actresses are like, we, I can't do this. It's basically idol worship. So I'm not going to do it anymore. And so there are churches that are like, well, what are we going to do with these guys who aren't working anymore? They're giving up basically their job for the sake of following Christ. And there are church fathers, church leaders who say from other churches who are being asked by those local pastors, hey, tell us what to do, bishops. Tell us what to do, bishop. What do we do here? And they're like, uh, you support them completely. And if you can't support them, we'll support them. So here you get another church yeah. from another region yeah. that's saying, well, we'll take care of them if you can't take care of them. Because the sacrifice made by Christian brothers and sisters to remain faithful to God is something that they should not be punished for you know, economically, that instead the church can take care of it. And again, this is, Mm -hmm. like I brought this up, I think last week or whatever it was with the rich ruler, when at the end you get this passage that says, you'll receive this many more times and brothers and sisters and houses and stuff, because the church itself is supposed to form the basis for your, I want to call it backup plan, but they're your new family. And, you know, right now, if I said, well, if you went destitute, where would you go? And all of us, most people would be like, well, to my family. Right. I would, and we would mean biological family, Sure, but the scriptures, the New Testament really wants you to answer that question, well, but to your spiritual family, and some of those might be biological, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They might be the first port of call that you would go to, but the, the spiritual family of God is there to care for its, each other in a unique way. Yeah, First Timothy. In fact, that, I was just looking at that while you were talking in verse 8, but if anyone does not uh, provide for his relatives and especially the, for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is inside of the context of the of the church. Actually, the passage you just referenced comes just in a minute from that. So the that context is relatives, household, church. Yeah. 
these are now the area of responsibility that I have to oversee, which is provision work towards provision. You see how the scriptures actually all start to work together yep. uh, towards this in, inside yep. the body and manifest itself for the world to see yep. as an operating entity. Yep. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And um, so I was actually, I <clears throat> looked at verse 13 of second Corinthians nine when you, so I, I totally agree the body of Christ for sure. And then he also says in there, right, generosity and sharing with them, body of Christ, mm-hmm. and with others through the proof provided yes. by the service. Yes. Right? So there is the aspect of... Oh, without a doubt. It sure, should extend right? to everyone, right. but there's an especially... You know, yes. Somewhat of they say, what, all things are good, but some are gooder? Better. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I like gooder. 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 It's, okay. it's, it's way gooder than gooder. the other one. Yep. Um, also, just because we're talking about this, there is a passage of scripture that lots of people don't don't know about okay so here it is i'm going to read it to you um first timothy chapter five okay and and i'm going to start with verse one and i'm going to actually go all the way to about 16 or so okay here we go uh do not rebuke an older man carl i'm older than you right you are okay do not rebuke carl do not rebuke an older man jason how old are you 46. I'll be 46. Okay, I'm older Ooh. than you then too. You and I'm older than Jason. See, But so I, I would like you quiet. both to know that you should not rebuke an older man, yeah. but encourage him as you would a father. Mm. You're a father figure. Yeah. <laughs> father Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Younger men as brothers. That's kind of how I treat you. Yeah. Older women as mothers. Mm. Younger women as sisters in all purity. Lovely little verse, by the way. You could preach whole sermon about. Anyway. Honor widows who are Truly widows. <laughs> what? How are you a widow and not a, a truly widow? Actually, yeah. Okay, but if a widow has children and grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. So if you're a child and your mom's a widow, you should take care of her. Now, remember, in the first century, it's a big deal because widows only had relationship, only had meaning and sustenance if they were tied to some guy, mm. especially a husband. So they don't have that, and they're so they're at great risk of being poor. Uh, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, so no kids, has set her hope on God, and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So he's making a distinction between the widows. There are some widows, in his word, that are truly widows, meaning that they're really faithful to God, and then there are some widows that are a little bit not so much. So command, verse 7, these things as well, so that they may be without reproach, the widows. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he is denied the faith, faith and worse than an unbeliever, let a widow be enrolled, so they have these lists of widows that the church was going to take care of, right, mm-hmm. who are in need. So it's kind of like a, like our care. Sure. Okay, so let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. So now, now they're going to put, this is what's interesting, is that now there are all sorts of rules around it. Yeah. And there are people around the church, I think, today who would say, well, look, if you're going to give money to people, you can't have rules about it. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul's like, no, we have a limited amount of money. So we're going to put some rules around it. Number one, uh, you should be a, woman, a widow can be enrolled if she's under six, or sorry, if she's not less than sixty years older, of age. You got to be over over sixty. 60. Yep. Having been the wife of one husband, whoa, no divorce days, and having a reputation for good works, hmm. 
if she's brought up children, has shown, so if she's brought up the children, this is what should have been marked her. She's shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. So in other words, they've got a shot still. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't be taken care of quite as much. I just find this to be such a fascinating and practical passage that most people are completely unaware of. They're like, no, Christians, you're supposed to be equally nice to everybody, even in the church. And you're like, well, actually, actually, we're supposed to care for the most needy and the most at risk uh, above the others. Hmm. Anyway, uh, it goes on in that in that capacity, right? Presents a very unflattering picture of a younger woman who's unable to control her. Yes, it does. Uh, But you see my point? Yeah. I find it fascinating. So uh, when we talk about stuff having to do with caring for the poor, uh, on the one hand, we say, well, the the people of the church take priority over the people who are not in the church. Mm -hmm. But even within the church, there are some who take priority over other people in the church. And so there seem... I bring this all up because churches have a limited amount of money to care for people. And it would be wonderful if we could just give all the money to every poor person. We have to make distinctions ultimately. And those distinctions have to be made according to certain parameters. certain parameters. And so there's a book out actually that gets into this. It's what called when helping hurts. And it, it talks about some of these parameters and some of the kinds of things that the scriptures actually do teach regarding the, the, the care for the, the poor and disenfranchised. This is why we have benevolence. Yes. Yes. As a differentiator between. That's right. That and the. What's benevolence? That sounds like a big Christian word. It is benevolence to be benevolent? Nobody says yeah. that. I know that's what Seriously. we call it. Though, benevolence is he benevolent, benevolent dictator, or a malevolent one? Benevolent. It's kind generosity. Yeah. No, our benevolence program. On benevolence all of our means campus. goodness, kindness. Goodness. And, uh, and it's that, that it's that the stewardship of those benevolence assets is towards the church. It's right. towards the membership roles yeah. of the church. Yeah. Yeah. So you can give to our benevolence, uh, work here. That's basically, I think I said this at one point, one church I was a part of when I was a youth pastor all those years ago, our benevolence ministry was if you had like 20 bucks, you put it in a plate and yeah. it would be set by the back door. So that oh, if you left, you, you just grab it. one, and we'd say that if wow. you have money, leave it. If you need oh, money, take like, it. Like those penny dishes. And at I the was market. like, yeah. now we're talking. Yeah. I always needed money for some reason. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. just kidding. A burger after service, just probably. Yeah. It was amazing, though. Something it was. Yeah. It was also left very open because the idea was that somebody could take the money, kind of quietly. They trusted the Lord right. that who would do that. I keep laughing about that. Isn't that? Crazy? It is. So uh, interesting. Leave a penny, take a penny. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, different if it was leave a hundred, take a hundred. Right. Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah, the hundreds didn't yeah. stay very long in the plate. Let's I'm just sure. say that somebody's digging through. <laughs> Even a ten probably wouldn't stay very long today. Yeah. But yeah, the benevolence ministry, the cars ministry, all of those. What right? is the kind cars of, ministry? Cars ministry. I'm not as involved, but Melissa Swick, who's kind of leads all of the stewardship space um, here, at yep. least. Um, so folks can bring in a used car or a car that they want to get repaired or need a car for whatever purpose. And here on the Elgin campus, we have a garage that. Some folks actually volunteer, spend their Saturdays to they fix, fix up cars, the cars, cars, and they give and them away to people. That's yeah, right. It's a, it's, I've only been in there once, and it's an incredible. It is an amazing space. ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason that we wanted to talk a little bit about this is, is to show. I, I I don't know how much we publicize some of the stuff that we're doing as a church. Hmm. Uh, 
in, in this particular uh, area. Yeah. And I, I think it probably should. Nobody wants to toot a horn to try to get everybody to say, oh, look how great they are. Nobody's saying that. But I do think that people should be encouraged to know that one of the one of the key aspects of this church now and going forward is trying to reach out into our communities and have an impact for yep. good uh, so that if our church, uh, God forbid, were to close its doors in that corner, whatever corner it is, mm-hmm. the community would miss it yep. and they'd feel the impact of it. Right. Um, and so this is in a post-Christian setting, which is what we're increasingly becoming, right? Places around the world today in Europe and others. This is the way that you do ministry is you are meeting the needs, the, 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 the felt needs of people in the community, uh, which are increasingly, uh, obvious because the culture is not kind to certain people. And uh, they are the ones who are disenfranchised, and it's the job of the church to go and, and to find them and care for them. How yep. much more counterculture could you be in an environment, uh, envir- societal environment that craves material things, that mm-hmm. says hold on to and grab as much as you can, yeah. to be an institution that freely gives right. without condition, mm. yep. right? Like that is a oh, and that's so much what we want to be, right? It really is. Even as for a body, myself, yeah. Right? I mean, even over the last couple of years that I've gotten much more involved in this space. Um, Susan, let's say I, I, I was, I probably still lean towards materialistic thinking, but once you actually experience this and start to meet the people that need mm. your mindset changes, yes, it, right? does. Yeah. it changes drastically yeah. to see the yeah. look on someone's face of thankfulness oh, yeah. when yeah. they've been given something very basic as mm-hmm. food yeah. or diapers for their young one that they couldn't right. afford because right. those are expensive yep. and to see the Thanksgiving. I mean, it, mm-hmm. your sermon of course was, spot on as it relates to that triangle because God's given glory right. by that, right? There's grace given to God. There's a thankfulness. If even only the person's right. not in a full understanding of who God is, but they do get to see some evidence mm-hmm. and give thanks to the church, which is the right. bride of Christ. You know right. what? Right. That's something yeah. that didn't happen before. Yep. So, yeah. So this week we're talking about uh, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. It's the parable of the talents. Which is a one of the yeah, I really dig this text. My I've, favorite. I've preached about the That's parable good. of the talents on several occasions, but each time I go through the passage in order to do the study for it, uh, I am consistently uh, surprised at what what's how much more is there than I maybe saw before. This is the beauty of the Bible, by the way, is that you go and you study a passage of Scripture the first time and you kind of take a pass at it and you understand its meaning because you're like, yeah, okay, maybe the pastor explained it to you. And then you come back the second time and you look at it again, but maybe it's a year later or something like that. And you've had a certain set of experiences that give you a vision for that passage. That's like, Oh, not only do I see the meaning of it, I actually feel some of the meaning of it. And then you take a pass the third time, maybe four years later, now you're married and you're like, now I really feel this passage. Yeah. And then maybe you do some more study in a seminary. You, you do uh, maybe not seminary. Maybe you just go into Bible studies in their church and you've learned more about maybe what the apostle Paul says generally about yeah. stuff. And so the words start to make more sense to you. And this is the beauty of Bible study. This is why we some, they call this the hermeneutical spiral. And the idea is that you just are spiraling into the text closer and closer yep. and closer to the meaning of the author the more passes you take at it because you're able to, to ex- understand and experience it, which is why the Bible and reading it never gets really old. Uh, some people say, well, I've read this before. Yeah, you have, but that was when you were young and dumb. <laughs> and now, now you're Carl. And so you're able to... 
discern right. all I mean, the good things right. of the scriptures. I got called old there. So anyway, my point with all that yeah. is Matthew Matthew 25. This would be, I mean, I don't know how many times I've preached on this particular passage, but I'm super yeah. excited about it this week because it had, it really does convey, you know, the idea that it, it's God's money. We're going to have to give an account. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take some work <laughs> to double it. Uh, that sometimes when we don't, a lot of the reason we don't want to give to God or the reason we don't want to get involved in ministry and doubling his money is because we have perspectives on him that aren't true, right? You're a hard man, God. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to, to, to talk about it and see what it has to say to us about money and possessions. Good? It's going to be great. Fantastic. Well, it's one of my favorite. The parallel in Luke 19, although I know there's differences between the meanest and the talents, but that's been a formidable yeah. verse in my walk as well. What's a mina? Different than a talent. Less Apparently. Than, yeah. By the way, are we talking about talons or talents? This says, my text says talent. Oh, talent. Well, I, I talent was going to preach is, it like it was talons. That would be like five the talons. That'd be good. That'd be good. Seriously. A Marvel movie. <laughs> That's right. We, could, we should take this passage and turn it into a Marvel movie. Oh boy. He's we, got five talons yeah. and he's grown five more. All right. Nice. Now we're digressing. <laughs> All right. This has been a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I've had fun. Uh, always. Jason, enjoy. thank you so much for joining Thanks us. For having me. And yeah. uh, chatting a little bit about the ministry that you're involved in. For anybody who is out there is interested in the Hope Center, you can uh, contact the church. We will let you know. Be honest with you. Talk to anybody who's involved at mm-hmm. Harvest on staff. They'll tell you all, all about that you need to know and who yeah. you need to get in touch with. They take donations. They would love to have you involved in, in uh, volunteering if you want. Uh, cars ministry, probably the same thing. Our benevolence ministry. All of that costs money that you have and uh, the poor need. So, um, yeah, let's be faithful in all that. Thanks. Thanks. We'll talk to the rest of you later. I'm out.